You are listening to The Photography Show. This is episode number 23 for January 22nd, 2012. Learn to code. everybody welcome back once again to another episode of the photography show this is ted forbes we are without wade today um we haven't done a podcast in a long time and i realize that um you know a lot of you have missed that and that's very flattering and uh actually uh the only reason that we haven't done a show is because of scheduling uh this little thing called the holidays roll around and everybody gets busy and on this show we have two people to coordinate and we have had a hard time trying to find a time to do an episode i did talk to wade the other day uh, uh, and he is on location uh, shooting an assignment in Atlanta, Georgia, for the next two weeks. <laughs> so uh, we were going to try and do a show before he left. And uh, it's always good to have work. And uh, we like to tease Wade later. So uh, we'll wait until then. But I thought, you know, I've got some stuff to talk about. Uh, and I didn't want to wait to do another show, um, another two weeks. So I wanted thought this would be a good opportunity to go ahead and get that out there. Um, if you follow my other podcast, The Art of Photography... Uh, and really, if you follow me on Twitter, uh, the last episode, and actually I'm doing a little bit of a series on these on um, on websites for photographers. And, you know, this is kind of one of those things where, you know, I was researching some stuff on Twitter. If you've seen the show, this is repeat, so sorry. But uh, anyway, um, I was researching some photography websites and uh, kind of tweeting them out as I went. And I was trying to find some new stuff, that new photographers that I wasn't familiar with and hadn't seen before. And, and I was going through, oh, generally competition. Um, uh, magazine websites, things like that, of features on people. And, you know, you'd find photos that you really like. And I'd use Google and see if the photographer had a website with some more material I could look at. And, you know, a couple things were surprising. One, there were some really, really great photographers who didn't even have websites. And then even worse is when you find somebody who's got really incredible work and then has a bad website. And all this has kind of led to my thinking about, you know, what I share with you guys on this show and, you know, what is useful information, I think, to photographers out there. And I think this is a really important one. And I think it's important for a number of reasons. Um, we're on if, if you watch the art of photography uh the last one i talked about websites and some things you can do to get started and the format here is a little different because i can go longer um you know it doesn't affect a huge file size because it's audio only and i really wanted to explore some of that and get into it in greater detail on this show um you know i know a lot of people listen to this show while they're commuting to work and have more time to listen and i thought you know here's a subject that could be very productive for people um the uh if you hear a cat in the background that would be zeter um he's joining me this morning he's not actually an official guest but uh hey buddy <laughs> anyway uh back to the subject at hand um you know I, I think this also ties in with uh you know the important lesson here too is diversification and i think it's really important for anybody in any industry working today you know everybody here knows that i'm a big seth godin fanboy and i think seth says a lot of interesting things in his books and makes some very good points that we're living in a world that's constantly changing and the definition of what it meant to do your job years ago is changing uh drastically i i i, I can tell you firsthand it has for me um 
I, my age, uh, I came up in kind of a transitional period uh, where I remember when I started college, the, you know, there was internet, but it was not public. Uh, we'd heard about it. I remember in high school hearing about the super information highway and, you know, it was, it was getting ready to go public. And, and I remember getting my first email account and I'm not trying to do a, well, when I was your age, kids kind of talk. Uh, but what's interesting to me is, is what I was being prepared for when I was in school and what is required of people myself in in my job today are completely different and i i'm not going to rag on college i think that uh the teachers the programs there were doing the best they could i just don't even think anybody saw what was coming today uh with the advancements in technology uh, and even more importantly the general sophistication level of younger people coming up uh i've got a nephew who's nine years old and uh you know obviously you know He's one of my favorite things in the world. And, and what really blows me away is at the age of nine, how, I mean, drastically much more sophisticated he is now than I was at that age and probably even when I was a little older than that because these kids are growing up in a different age. Uh, I remember he was sitting down and showing me uh, Google Earth. Of course, I knew Google Earth, but uh, it was really cute to watch him show me how he had learned how to use it. But he was doing stuff that was just amazing that he'd learned in school and even showed me a few things that I hadn't done in Google Earth. And, and you know, that that's a big sign there because you have a generation that's growing up uh, that's just a lot different. I think uh, the expansion of their skill sets is different. I think the uh, general acceptance of um, what defines somebody or what defines certain skills, it, it's a lot different. And when I was growing up, um, you know, mostly through the 70s and 80s, uh, I grew up in a very creative, artistic family. And I mentioned this on here before, too. My father was an illustrator, still is. And, you know, he's a huge influence and a big inspiration for me. And he had a lot of friends that were in the, um, you know, creative business, so to speak, uh, doing work for ad agencies, uh, commercial work, things like that. And, you know, we knew photographers growing up. Um, I knew other illustrators growing up. Uh, and things were a lot different in that day and age. You didn't have the Internet back then. And so, you know, how you promoted your business, uh, everything from that to the kind of work you did was completely different. And we're in still a little bit of that transition because nobody knows where this is going to shake out. But you know, it's kind of sad because in recent years, I've seen uh, people that I've known for years uh, have a hard time with their business. And it's because it's mostly based on an older model. And uh, when you get older, sometimes it's harder. I don't think that's a good excuse, but it is hard to diversify. And I wanted to talk about that uh, in this episode today. Um, some very good friends of mine who had a photography studio that at one point was one of the most successful photography studios in the world, uh, did everything from annual reports uh, to to product catalogs they actually closed their doors this last year and part of me is very saddened by that uh, but the harsh reality is is that uh, people who produce catalogs everybody's it's, you know it's this race to the bottom everybody's trying to do it cheaper uh, easier more efficiently and and I don't fault anyone for that that's a smart way to run your business but if you look at a company uh, that maybe produces a catalog or has a website where they do a lot of sales online something like I don't know container store or uh, uh, you know, Neiman Marcus, Macy's, anything like that. They're trying to cut their bottom line. So a lot of them have gone now uh, because they want to get images made quicker, uh, have gone to an in-house model. So they're not hiring a photography studio anymore. And that's a real problem, I think, for people in our business. 
So what does this mean? Does this mean that, uh, you know, you can't make your living as a photographer anymore? Or does it mean that, uh, you know, the, uh, the powerfulness or the usefulness of images are going away? No, not, not at all. Um, I don't agree with that at all. What it does mean is it means it's more important now to diversify yourself. And you, 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 your responsibility is to... Uh, you know, on many levels, I think the actual work you do, the way you promote yourself, uh, the way you get the word out, all this has to change. And it means that you need to be able to do more. It's no longer acceptable just to kind of hold yourself up and create awesome images. That's still your responsibility, but it can't be all you do. Um, and, you know, bringing this back into the nature we're talking about building websites um, or building a website for yourself or whatever it is that you're going to try and do. Um, if you look, I mean, you know, you look at what I do, uh, you know, you're listening to a podcast right now. I don't have a camera in my hand. I'm not taking pictures. I'm talking about photography and I'm sharing that and hopefully in an educational, um, informative type way. But that's another thing that I can do uh, that, uh, you know, it, it helps in my overall career and my job and et cetera. And so, and there's no reason you can't do that. This is podcasting and, you know, we're going to talk about websites too. But that kind of diversification, I think, really is mandatory uh, with what you're doing now. And, you know, before I get into this too, I want to talk about a big myth um, that if all of a sudden I'm not dedicating myself to my craft and spending every waking moment on it, that I'm not going to get really good. You could argue that because being really good at something takes a lot of work and it takes a lot of time. But I think there's a second uh, way to look at that uh, where you you could argue that uh, sometimes, and this is more of an Eastern philosophy, that sometimes if you if you spend too much time on something, uh, you your your sword gets dull, so to speak, um, because you're over sharpening it. And so, you know, for me, and I can speak from from experience, learning how to do other things for me, they've always influenced one another. And there's something that I learned from learning how to code, for instance, or learning how to produce a podcast that do help. I think. Um, at the very least on some kind of subconscious level, but a lot of times very directly, but they do help in, in um, you know, the art of image making. And, you know, I feel like I'm still learning on all this stuff too. It's a lifelong pursuit. Um, you know, if, if you were as good as you're going to get, then why would you even bother to continue doing this? Because that's what the passion is that's involved with this. You know, you're a photographer because you love it. And whether you're working or not, you're still going to shoot photos because it is your passion and you're very driven by that. And that's not going to go away. And it's always going to be there. You're always going to be chasing that and trying to improve all the time. Um, but uh, I, I thought today might be a good time to explain in more detail uh, what I was talking about in the Art of Photography podcasts and uh, give you some real pointers on where you can go. So in the Art of Photography podcast, I talked about uh, some alternatives. If you're not a coder, you're not a developer, and you just want to get a website up, you know how to do that. And there's some free choices. There's some paid options that have kind of a free service attached to it. Uh, there's a lot of things that, that you, know, you can consider in that regard. Um, if you want to learn how to code, and I think really I thought about it more after I recorded that episode and it kind of occurred to me that that I, I really think that you know like I said the big myth is that you know I don't want to spend my time doing other things but I really think you know I was talking about my nine-year-old nephew being way more sophisticated than than I was when I was a kid uh, in this day and age it's it's not acceptable um, to not know a little bit of HTML uh, consider how much of your life revolves around the internet uh, even if you don't 
consciously do a lot of surfing on the internet, I would be willing to bet the internet and technology has a big influence on your life and your day-to-day activities. Everybody has an email account, uh, especially at work, you're required to use it. Um, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I'm not even, you know, uh, but I, I really honestly believe that everybody should know how to code a little bit. And so, you know, it's one thing for me to sit here and say, you need to do this. And it's another thing for me to tell you how you can go about doing this. And, uh, I'll tell you how I did it. Um, and some of my path, I, you know, I did it strictly out of, um, necessity. Uh, I had worked for, oh, a long story short, this was years and years ago during the tech boom, I had worked for a CD-ROM company and uh, I had gotten an introduction to technology doing that. And when I decided to start freelancing, there was such a demand for websites at the time that I kind of went into doing that. Um, I'd build portfolio sites for people. It was a good way to earn a little bit extra cash while I was doing it. And it turned out I loved it. And it really led me down a path of, you know, I definitely think of myself as a photographer but you know my 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 day job is comprised of multimedia production so it involves photography very heavily uh, and I really focus most of what I do um, is image based but it also has elements of graphic design definitely web design things like that involved so if you're starting out uh, what I did was and this is I'll tell you how I did it and how I'd recommend doing it if I could do it over uh, but I didn't know a lick of HTML these are the early days of the internet um, there was no college degree at the time. Uh, there was computer science degrees um, that you could enroll in. And they were more broad-based. Some of them had a little HTML class. And I, at that point, I already had a degree, and I didn't want to go back to school. Uh, and I remember I had, I'm trying to remember what it was. It was it was a software application. It was, if you remember the early Apple days, they before iWork, Apple produced a word processor uh, called Claris Works, uh, which was a company called Claris that Apple later purchased, I believe. Uh, but Claris had a some kind of web design application. It was a lot like Dreamweaver, and it was awful. Uh, it wrote the junkiest code. It was so bad. It would break things. And much like Dreamweaver now, you had like a code view and then, you know, what it, the WYSIWYG view, the what you see is what you get. Uh, you know, so you could preview what it's going to look like in a web browser, and then you could whip over and look at the code, and you were constantly having to go over to the code to change things. Now, HTML is a markup language. It's not a code per se, and it's really easy to get a grasp on. And I think at the bare minimum, you need to spend some time learning how to at least code some basic HTML, uh, learning how to, uh, you know, in some text, make something bold, learning how to embed an image, uh, make something italicized, uh, do a paragraph, do a header, you know, just the basic stuff. You could learn this in a day. It's not hard. And learn the syntax. Uh, on a little bit larger level, there's some new things coming with HTML5, but these are all things you can get into. Uh, there's some really wonderful um, resources out there. And today, if I were to redo it, I would not, uh, what I would not do, if you're listening, is to buy a copy of Dreamweaver and um, start hacking through it, much like I did. Uh, it's just a slower way of doing it. And I think there's too much trial and error. And I don't think it's a really good practice anyway. And honestly, I don't care for Dreamweaver at all. Um, I teach a web design class at community college and uh, I, you know, it's weird because the class before me, they all have Dreamweaver and they learn how to deal with that and I make them stop, you know, because you need to learn how to code and it's really not that hard and it's going to save you time in the long run. 
I speak from experience on this. Um, so if I were learning how to code today, the first thing, uh, well, first of all, let me talk about coding languages for the web that I would recommend that you try and at least get your head around. One would be HTML, namely HTML5. Uh, it's a lot easier than some of the previous versions. It's a little more forgiving. Uh, it's very it's being adopted as a standard now, uh, and I think it's the way things are moving. This all could change in five years, but uh, that's the way things are going now. So you have HTML5 and then CSS3, which is a styling markup language, which basically, if you think of like HTML5 being the skeleton of a website, uh, CSS3, or any CSS, it stands for Cascading Style Sheets, uh, it's a it's another language, but what it addresses is visually how things look and how they lay out on the page. So you have your skeleton that's HTML5, and then you dress it up with the CSS. So that that deals with things like you know what font you're using, what's the background color, do you have a border on your image, you know all that kind of crazy stuff. So those are the big two. Uh, in addition to that. I would also consider um, getting your head around some basic JavaScript. Uh, this is what gives your your web page a little bit of interactivity. Um, it controls things anywhere from like motion, visual elements, uh, responsive elements to it can actually control CSS. It can, it can do a lot of things. Uh, it can actually load other pages. Um, and the way that's kind of shaken out now is you're using JavaScript and there are several frameworks that have been adopted. So you don't actually have to go learn JavaScript, they're going to cut some time out of the equation. Um, jQuery is a big one, and I really recommend jQuery. jQuery is built in JavaScript, but really what you're doing is you're learning how to talk to jQuery. And so uh, you do need to learn some basic JavaScript, but the syntax for jQuery is, is relatively simple too. And so, you know, if you can get a grasp on all these, uh, it can diversify you uh, in a lot of ways. One, it gives you additional skills that you could use um, career-wise. I think it gives you additional skills that you can use with your own work. If you're just building a website for yourself, and it may be overkill, let me say, um, to go like try to become a master of these three languages uh, just to build your own website. Um, I, you know that that can be weird too because you know if that's all you're doing it may be a waste of time uh, and I don't think it's going to be efficient um, but I think just in general um, you know this is also assuming you just have one website I don't I have a lot of websites and they all serve different functions and uh, you know I've got a podcast website that I host these shows on I've got um, the art of photography has its own website now um, I've got my portfolio site I've got my main website tedforbes.com I've got blur.nu which is my my, my blog. And, uh, you know, I'll talk about some of these. So uh, beyond those are kind of front end languages, so to speak, because they all address how a web page is presented to you or to your viewer. Um, so okay, you've got that. Uh, then there are also some server languages. And the big one is PHP. Uh, and I, I think also, the way things have kind of turned out these days is, is you don't have to go become a master in PHP, for instance, because there's a lot, if you know some basics, there's a lot you can do because there's a lot of code that's, particularly in the open source community, that's been reprovisioned and, and it's free to use. And if you want to learn how to manipulate some of that, um, having a basic language of something like PHP, uh, ASP, you know, anything like that, PHP is the big one, uh, being open source uh, is, is a very good idea. Um, so, the other thing that I want to address on here, and I did talk about it a little bit on the art of photography, is content management systems. 
Okay, so what is a content management? Sometimes you hear people refer to these as a CMS, which stands for content management system. And a content management system is, it's just a section of your website. It's often referred to as the back end. And so uh, usually it's some kind of password protected area of your website that you can go to and modify the content. And a good content management system uh, will separate your content from the design. And then the content management system is kind of its own thing. And, and you're able to manipulate your website. So it means like, let's say you have a portfolio site or a photo blog, you can add new images, you can uh, edit descriptions. So if you misspelled something, you can go change it. Um, you can delete things if they're no longer relevant. Um, you know, all those basic functions. Uh, sometimes these have plugins that provide additional functionality. And so, you know, uh, my blog, blur.nu, runs on WordPress. And I love WordPress. WordPress is an application that runs on a web server. It's open source. It's free to download. Uh, if you don't have your own web server, um, you can use WordPress.com, which is the hosted version. And uh, I think a basic WordPress site is free on WordPress.com. I don't actually have one there. I, I use WordPress.org, which is the downloadable version. I host it myself. Uh, but I believe that the basic model is free, and then they have services that are added on that you can pay for. So if you're getting a lot of high traffic and you need more bandwidth, um, and it's all fairly affordable, affordably priced. Uh, if you need to do video hosting, if you have a podcast, I think that's one of their new things they're doing. And so you can use WordPress for these things. Now, WordPress, it's the same look, feel, the way it works. It's the same software, uh, but the .org allows you to download it and host it on your own website, which gives you more flexibility, certainly, than having it hosted by them. But they do have that option. And that's, that's how WordPress makes their money is off of those services. Um, they give their product away, but uh, they provide ways to host it if you need it. Um, so anyway, um, all is to say, if you wanted to do a WordPress site, what, what is required of that? Well, um, a basic knowledge of HTML, um, probably some good uh, CSS or cascading style sheet skills, and really that's about it. If you know how to set up a server, which requires a little bit of knowledge too, and an FTP account, if you don't know what that is, um, you know, you can basically download WordPress and host it yourself. And between using plugins and things that, that kind of already exist in this open source community, you can pretty much cobble together a very um, well-working website um, that looks good. Uh, I myself am very anal retentive of how things look, and so I like a lot of control over it. And I also um, have the coding skills to do that, so I dig a little deeper into it. If you're just starting out, maybe just start a WordPress.com site for a while and play with that and see if you can learn how to code and learn some stuff through that. Um, so let's talk about, um, oh, well, let me mention another one, which is, uh, I almost don't mention this a lot, but it, it's so important I have to, but uh, Drupal.org is another one. The big three content management systems that are all free they're all open source um our, our drupal um wordpress like i mentioned and another one called joomla which i'm not as familiar with uh, i do a lot of drupal and a lot of wordpress drupal has a steeper learning curve because there's so much more it does and it's a lot more advanced than wordpress um it's still pretty easy once you get a um a grasp on it but even when i first started there was a lot to get my head around and i knew how to code um mainly because you have to learn how that content management system is set up but i know uh, i have friends of mine that are web designers for a living they do it full-time 
And uh, I know two people uh, in particular who really have careers based around learning how to code sites and use Drupal and WordPress. And uh, those are not bad skills to have. Uh, they're, they're wonderful content management systems and, and uh, you know, what you can do with it is, is, is incredible. And uh, they do these for clients, set them up, host them, etc. So if you want to start learning how to code, where do you start? Um, well, there are a number of resources. If you want to learn everything about HTML, um, there is two books I would recommend. Um, that I recommend. Actually, my class uses them, and I teach out of these. Uh, they're recent books. They've come out in the last year, I believe, and um, just I can't say enough good stuff about them. If you go to abookapart.com, and I will put all of these links in the show notes, so if you go to the publicbroadcast.com, pull up the photography show and pull up this episode, you will see the links to all of the stuff that I'm going to talk about today. So the first thing um, would be A Book Apart. There are two books. Uh, a Book Apart is related to a list apart and some other things if you're familiar with that they're kind of um, uh, some big names some who's who in the web design community and the two books that I recommend are HTML5 for web designers and CSS3 for web designers they're not big books they get straight to the point they don't sidetrack much like I am doing on this podcast uh, and you can get through them fairly quickly and even now I know most of the information in there I save them and I use them for reference when I'm not teaching out of them because sometimes you need to look something up that you were foggy on or can't remember or want to know you know more about and so both those books are excellent you can buy these in a number of forms and this is what I love about a book apart they are very with it with technology um, first of all you can down you can order them as paper books and uh, I have them as that I have them in all the formats so you can get the paper books you can get uh, the EPUB format then they have a digital download package and so I think you get EPUB PDF and you can get something that works on an iPad too um, they're incredible and I love the fact that on my computer is a PDF and I don't even have to go pull the book off the shelf um, I can just go pull it up uh, they're also very affordable I don't think they cost a lot of money so uh, yeah definitely recommend the books from a book apart they've got some newer titles that I haven't checked out yet and I'm sure they're good and uh, they look very interesting some stuff on uh, user interface design and, and the like and so uh, anyway some good stuff there um, a book apart another uh, kind of secret weapon I think a lot of us have had that uh, is just it's, it's a subscription service but well worth the money is lynda.com that's l-y-n-d-a.com uh, Linda Weinman is uh, um, an incredible person. She uh, started out as a designer, and I remember when I wanted to get into web design. I bought some of her early books on HTML and and how to. I, one other one, I still have it because it's so dated and so cheesy. But uh, it was such a big part of how I got into it and so well written. Uh, but it was uh, you know creating graphics for web design or web distribution or something like that. Creating web graphics, I think it was called. Uh, anyway, Linda was an author and. Around the time they were producing books, uh, and they were all geared towards designers who at that time had to get their heads around this computer world that they were not familiar with. And uh, there were a lot of people who fell into that category. Uh, you know, you're a designer, uh, all of a sudden you're gone from paste up to now you've got to learn how to use Photoshop. Oh my God. And so it really, uh, you know, she had this business that was an educational business that produced books, and then they got into CD ROMs and DVDs of titles on, you know, everything from digital photography to digital or at that time it was referred to as desktop publishing uh, and then in web design. Uh, 
Uh, the DVDs were very expensive at that time. Um, I remember getting one when I signed up for one of Linda's workshops that she and her husband Bruce were doing, which was a pretty good workshop, and you got a free DVD out of it. And I thought, wow, these are incredible. Well, they started an online service, and their whole business has morphed into this online service now, which is Linda.com. And it's nothing but tutorials, and they have tutorials on anything tech-related you would possibly want to learn and get your head around. Everything from learning how to use Microsoft Office to learning how to code HTML to learning uh, how to use Final Cut Pro or Premiere or Logic or you know any piece of software they have a title for. Uh, there's a million Photoshop titles. Um, there's some really good ones in there on photography. So. What, the way it works is is you can get a subscription to Linda, and if you pay annually, there's two tiers. Um, I, you can go preview movies just for free. They don't really give you a lot of information, and you can go see what all's in the title. Um, the one I've always used is, it, I think it cost me $25 a month. Um, well worth it. Uh, if you're real busy and you need to save the 25 bucks, you can turn on and off your subscription if you need to. Otherwise, it just auto-renews, so you don't even remember to turn it off if you're going to do that. But... Um, I, I have never regretted, um, and she's probably gotten thousands of my dollars over the years, but it's such an invaluable resource, um, and they hire some really good people to uh, be the authors on these titles that guide you through. The only complaint, if anything, I would have about Linda, and if you listen to this podcast, you know how fast I can talk, uh, is I wish they'd get to the point sometimes, um, and I understand when you're teaching online, it's really hard because you have to really shoot for the lowest common denominator, so if somebody has no skills at all, you have to shoot show every step and sometimes it gets kind of arduous to to cull through that information but regardless it's still the best resource out there the titles are well produced um, if you want to learn how to go build iphone apps there's <laughs> they, they've got uh, c plus um, uh, videos now and titles so you can go learn how to code for an ipad if you want um, so anyway uh, all this to say lynda.com is probably the single most intense resource out there and i don't mind sharing this with people it's it's incredible um i've never regretted it uh lynda.com is a godsend and i love the fact that all of their quote-unquote titles so if i'm working on something for digital photography for instance uh, using lightroom i don't know i'm just pulling that out of the air um, and i just need to know learn how to do one thing i can go to that title uh and just look through the chapters and i can pull up the video that hopefully will answer the question that i've got and usually it does they're very well well organized the other thing i need to mention too and make it clear that you're $25 a month or there's a more expensive plan that gives you source files and things like that. I don't do that one, but, um, but for that $25 a month, you have access to every title in their library. So, I mean, it's, it's just like freakishly amazing. Um, you know how much you get bang for your buck. Um, they're no longer limited to expensive books that you would have to go get at the bookstore and expensive DVDs that you'd have to order through the mail. So, um, I highly recommend lynda.com. That's, um, one of the best resources there is. Um, the other one, and I'm going to have to look this up while I'm talking here. I found the other day, um, code Academy, uh, which is codeacademy.com, looks very promising. And this is a free website that uses, uh, interaction uh, uses JavaScript to actually and, and, and it engages with you so it like will ask you a question and tell you to type something back and then it, it, it uses that process to start showing you how to do stuff and I looked at this very briefly um, it was largely JavaScript related I believe but it looks like if they haven't already they're going to expand it I haven't signed up for an account on here yet uh, but codeacademy.com looks very promising um, I, I don't think it has the level of depth that something like Linda has or even the books that I recommended. 
but um, I, I, I think it does look promising, and it is free. So a lot of times you get what you pay for, and I hate to say this, boys and girls, but knowledge is expensive, um, either in time and or cash resources. Um, you know, It's just something you're going to get around. Um, another good resource, and this is probably one you already know if you're listening to this podcast. I, you know, I know people run across these shows uh, a variety of ways, but uh, one of the big ones is just using iTunes. And there's some pretty good tutorial podcasts in iTunes. Um, cheesy self plug here but I actually do uh, I haven't updated in a while but I took a lot of the stuff that I was using material wise for teaching my my web design class um, I've put into a podcast called The Art of Code. So go look up The Art of Code. The Art of Code hasn't been updated in a while, but it does deal with HTML5, some stuff like that. It's also on YouTube. Uh, but not just to plug my own work. I mean, there there's some other good podcasts out there, too. Um, I found a couple on JavaScript. Uh, Adobe has some wonderful podcasts. Um, anyway, there's, there's stuff out there. You just got to dig for it. Um, usually, I've noticed the rule of thumb, and I know people are tight on cash sometimes, um, but it's... Uh, Cash or time, take your pick. Um, weeding through podcasts that are free on iTunes, you're going to find some good stuff, but there's going to be, like I said, a lot of weeding to do. Um, there's You're going to have to dig more. I mean, really, all this stuff you can find using Google, and there's enough web pages out there that will teach you how to use HTML and CSS and even JavaScript for that matter. You know that you might not even need it. Um, two wonderful resources, just because the languages are open source uh, for jQuery, uh, jQuery.com, I believe. Let me double check that. Um, which is the site you would go down to go to? Yeah, it's jQuery.com. Um, I can't remember whether it's a .org or not, but it's a .com. Uh, jQuery.com is where you go to download jQuery, um, and they have all the documentation of how to use it on there. It's written for designers, so or excuse me, it's written for for developers. So if you don't know how to code, it may be a little over your head at first, and it might be more important to go find a place that. Uh, you know, might explain some things to you first. Um, otherwise, it might be kind of hard to weed, weed through. The other one is php.net if you're learning PHP. And again, all the documentation is here. This is generally you don't go download php it's already installed on a server um, and that gets into shell access and stuff like that if you if you're in a position where you're a beginner and you're having to install php on your server don't do it you you need to get another web host that already has it on there that's just not it's going to be a kludge fest and uh, way over your head and and not a good use of your time um, on any of those accounts so you know where would you start i would start by uh this is what i would do and this is kind of what i did do um i would start with lynda.com i would start with the html books that uh, i recommended uh, i would start googling and and typing questions into google and see what comes up for answers uh, google is your friend and you're going to find uh, there's an entire community and an entire community and a lot of people out there that are willing to share their information much like i am here that have done it in blogs uh you know etc that you can go get on youtube and, and search around for stuff and find some of the answers to the questions that you're asking um, but i would i would start with some books start somewhere that that it's going to be laid out and very simple so i think the books or lynda.com are a great way to start uh either the book apart books or lynda like i mentioned and what I would do is I would come up with a project that you can get your feet wet because it's one thing to start um, trying to memorize a bunch of information. And I know that there are a lot of different models uh, for learning styles out there. Uh, and what that means is if you're a teacher, you understand this. Um, it means that when I do these podcasts, they're, they're hard because I realize that we don't all learn the same way. Uh, some people learn, um, you know, verbally. Some people learn, you know, by listening. You probably do if you're listening to this. Some people 
people are better with reading. Um, and that this is a very gross, uh, vague definition, but, but they're learning styles. Not everybody learns the same way the best. Uh, one of the things for me when I was starting out, and this is what I would recommend, is I don't uh, remember, I don't retain abstract information as well. And what I mean by that is like if, you know, I always had trouble in math classes when I was a kid. And the reason was is because I had no idea why or how or who cared if I ever used this. I mean, we had word problems, you know, where you'd have to, some story you'd have to fish through and, and figure out how to do some math based on it. But still, I didn't care how fast a train was leaving Atlanta and going to wreck with one in Chicago. I mean, it just didn't make sense to me. It's all still kind of abstracted at that point. Um, and then years later, when I got into coding, it was like, oh, wow, look at all this math that I've got to relearn. And I wish I knew this when I was a kid. So for me, it helps to actually have projects to dig into. So what I would recommend is if you want to learn how to code, you want to learn how to do a website, is start, start a site. Start a personal project. It can be a photo blog. It can be just a website of your images. It can be a website of, it can be a how-to, do an educational site, um, you know, share some knowledge, whatever it is, but make something that you want to make. You need a product. And this is what is going to actually be driving your passion. And it's going to be the thing you want to do and you want to work on every week. And, you know, maybe you only have a Saturday to dedicate to it, but but you need something that's going to drive it with, with passion behind that. And that's that's what I would recommend is some kind of personal project. Uh, one of my first projects, I mean, it was really stupid, but I remember building this website where I was just showing some vacation photos of various trips I'd been on because I thought it was kind of cool to group them together. And like I said, it was very stupid. I, I, back in those days, they, it doesn't exist anymore, but there used to be... Um, Oh, this is before blogs or anything else. Uh, there was, if you went to Geo, there was GeoCities, and it was this website where you could go get your own website, and they'd let you have some hosting space. And they were known as these GeoCities, and they had this whole city metaphor, and you had a neighborhood you lived in, and all this junk. But anyway, it was free web hosting, and so that's where I started. I'd learned how to code, and uh, that project didn't last very long. And I started expanding it, and I did a, um, I think one of my second projects because I was still doing a lot of music at that time. Uh, I started a website for some of the music that I was making and a place where I could post MP3 samples and I could put pictures of my guitars in my studio and stuff like that. And so those were the projects that, that I mean, that's the important part is the information you're putting out there, and it's really what's going to drive it. But they were also an excuse for me to start learning how to code HTML and uh, get my head around that. And that's what I would recommend. Do something. Start a project. Start maybe just a small photo project. Don't get too uh, adventurous about it. If you're just starting out, uh, maybe you want to just get a wordpress.com account and start learning how to fudge around that i mean wordpress gives you enough so you don't really need to know how to code very much you can download a theme somebody else's design throw it in there and start producing work uh, as time goes by you can start learning how to modify your theme uh, that's a great way to learn um you know, it may be too adventurous to, for instance, let's download Drupal and develop our own theme for our entire portfolio right off the bat. So, you know, keep something in check. Just a small project that has no pressure on it, uh, that just gives you a platform to learn to do new things. I think that's important. Um, and the reason I say that is, is I've always done that with my own work. And one, because it's a lot of fun. And two, because you start getting mileage out of this. And so that's how I started in web design is I came up with some dumb project and I started to learn how to code based on that. I had, like I mentioned, a really uh, cheesy copy of Claris WebWorks or whatever it was called. And, and that's what got me started. And uh, I had some time on my hands and, and the evenings and stuff and I would just plow through. Um, I, I, you know, and the show you're listening to now, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, 
Uh, the art of photography is now, oh, it's in its third year, but uh, probably about five years ago, I was listening to a lot of podcasts. I was uh, just kind of this life changer for me because I was starting to exercise a lot at that time, and which involved a lot of walking and jogging. And so I would put on my headphones and I had podcasts I listened to when I went out to do that. And I really was attracted to this whole genre of, um, you know, non-corporate um, produced material that you could listen to i'm really overstating that but um you know it, rather than trying to listen to the radio which as far as i'm concerned is completely toast nowadays there's nothing especially in the united states the radio is terrible uh it's all owned by clear channel and it, it, they play music that somebody in the car will like this song so you know here's your classic rock station we'll, we'll play a led zeppelin song followed by the rolling stone you never hear new music it's 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 terrible um even talk shows have gotten really boring um apparently there's big money in uh, political opinion and so you have you know a lot of that kind of thing and I, I just that doesn't um, excite me as much I mean I listen to some of that in the car but podcasts were this thing where all of a sudden you have this this whole uh, system for you know this guerrilla produced stuff by people who were not funded by major corporations it was just a guy in his bedroom <laughs> I'm actually in the living room but you know this model that I'm doing now where it's 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 done very low budget but it the you know the quality's good and the important part is what they're talking about and it's niche stuff so you know you're listening to a podcast on photography that's pretty niche I don't think that CBS or NBC would ever do a photography show I think it's too niche for them um, if they thought there would be money in it they would have done it already and uh, we haven't seen it so <clears throat> anyway all this to say is that uh, for niche uh, subjects uh, anything with technology anything with photography um, a lot of times with web design that podcasting is this great thing and so anyway my point being is that I always thought well wow I'd really like to get out there and share a lot of the stuff that that I've learned and I'd like to I like the social element too and I, I really uh, you know, we've done meetups for the art of photography, and I've met via email and sometimes in person people all over the world who listen to the show. And that's one of the things that I cherish the most about doing this is the interaction with people. It's like all of a sudden there's somebody out there that I would never have come across in my life, um, but because we share a common interest and we would definitely get along and be friends, it's like I've met people that way because of the use of technology and, and podcasting. And uh, so how do I get into podcasting? Well, I came up with a little dumb project, which was the art of photography. If you look at those early episodes, they're really bad. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, I, my personality is kind of lame in it. And, and uh, you know, I sound like a used car salesman and the lighting is terrible and the video quality is bad. But, but, you know, get something out there, you know, do something to try. The real reason I did that is because, um, you know, with my job doing multimedia production, I do a lot of video work. And... I don't think that, you know, it's interesting in the photography community, um, some podcasts deal a lot with video because all of a sudden SLRs and point and shoots can all shoot video. And I know that there's kind of some controversy out there. There's a lot of people who, a lot of people who really, it's something different and they don't want photography to become video. And I don't think it ever will, but I do think that the, the skill set as a photographer, if you're serious about doing this, particularly for a living, if you do any kind of journalist work, it is going to involve video. Um, a lot of these, uh, the major news outlets now, um, are really looking for freelance photographers that can turn in video as well of things on assignment. It's just part of the part of the gig, and I think that will be that line will blur a little more as we go into the future. Uh, but anyway, my whole point being, you know, I work in an art museum, and we were doing interviews with artists and uh, curators and people like that, and we were going to do some web based video web series, <coughs> and um, you know, I had. 
I was pretty green on what I was doing with that. I'd done some video production, but you know, a lot of this, you know, consumer technology, um, you can get a video camera very inexpensively and have no film crew and get out there and shoot something if you know what you're doing. And so that's why I started the art of photography. I'd love podcasts and I was going to start doing video for my job. And then, you know, at that time it was going to be in the near future. And so I wanted to do something to start getting my head around this. And uh, the two things I did is I started the art of photography. Um, I also went out, um, if you're familiar with uh, another podcast, which the name is completely escaping me, oh, TWIP, um, This Week in Photography. Good save, huh? Um, Alex Lindsay at the time, well, he still does. He has a business called Pixel Core. And that year they did they offered some summer, they were calling them summer boot camps for various things. So you could go learn green screen, you could learn visual effects, and uh, they had one on podcasting. And so I went out and did the podcast boot camp. And it was such an invaluable experience. First of all, uh, Alex is extremely smart, extremely knowledgeable, a really nice guy. Um, I still talk to him now and then to this day. Um, and I learned a lot in the one week, I can't remember if it was one week or two weeks that I was out there. It was not cheap, and it was in San Francisco, but I went and did it and I made some friends doing it that I still keep up with today. And, um, you know, that was pretty amazing too. It was a small class with about, I'm trying to remember, I think there were 15 people in there. And we went through everything on, you know, how to set up and use a microphone. What are the differences between microphones? How do you do a green screen? How do you light? Um, you know, how do you get stuff into iTunes? How do you promote yourself? How do you address this? You know, whatever. And so that was invaluable for me too. But the but the big caker though, you know, I, I combined some formal training, so to speak, uh, with uh, a project that I could set out and do. So that was the that was the art of photography, and uh, started doing that. I also started putting my uh, online materials for my classes online as podcasts. So that was the art of code. Started doing those and got into it. And, um, you know, before I knew it, I had a little bit of success. People find you just by searching for you in iTunes, which is pretty amazing. Uh, you get a little bit big that. I think the the, the point where I kind of started breaking was on two accounts. One was uh, Apple was doing an email campaign where they were, the whole thing was photography based. And so I got this email from Apple and they said that they'd seen my podcast and they wanted to use uh, my icon and my show to feature in this email with my permission. And of course I'm like, heck yeah, you know, let's do this. Um, so anyway, so that's what they did. They, uh, they sent out an email one summer and, and promoted both the art of photography and the photography show. And uh, I got a lot of promotion that way. And a lot of this is just hanging in there. I've never really actively, you know, done Google AdWords or anything to try to promote uh, my materials. But, uh, and you know, we've had a lot of listeners and I rank pretty high in iTunes and I'm not trying to brag on that. I think it's more a testament of the people who enjoy the show than it is to, you know, what I'm actually putting out there. But either way, you never know where things are going to lead. And the only reason I'm telling you that story is because it's like learning how to code a website or anything else. You never know where it's going to lead. Um, and if it doesn't lead anywhere and you don't want it to lead anywhere other than, you know, you want to just be a photographer, this is important. And, and you know, I can't harp on this enough. Back to where I, what I was saying when I started this show here, um, this episode, you know, I, I was finding these great photographers that either didn't have websites or even worse, had a bad website. Um, you know, you just, the world is not set up like that. You just can't do that and get away with it. You can be the greatest photographer the world has ever seen. And if no one knows about you, they're never going to see your work. And, you know, there are plenty of artists that I know that are proud to uh, to be like that, <laughs> kind of wear it on their sleeve. But they're also kind of lonely and wish sometimes, well, sometimes they're angry. And, you know, anyway, you don't want to be that. Um, 
you want to get your work out there and, and learn how to do it. I, I think of it like this too. When I was in school, uh, when I was taking design classes and photography classes, even, uh, you know, this is before the internet had really taken off and it was people realized it was important to present your work that way that that you know obviously today that's one of the main ways you present your work is online uh, but back then we had to learn how to mount our work we had to learn how to build these portfolios these physical portfolios and you'd mount your work and you'd get the acetate out and you'd get hair in it and lint or something and you have to clean it and you have to stick it down and you learn how to tape the corners and there was this whole prescribed method for rubber cement and all this stuff to learn how to do paste up and presentation uh, none of that's applicable anymore nobody looks at work that way um, and, and they shouldn't be working, looking at work that way. It was a bad way of presenting it. But at the time, it was the standard. And, and now it, things have changed. It's different. Um, you know, you're going to use a website. If you want to get your work up and all this is completely over your head and completely daunting um, and you don't know where to start, the bare minimum, just get a Flickr account. At least you can show your work. Flickr's well-designed. Um, if you want to try something like, if, if Flickr's a little much, um, the one thing about Flickr is it is a photo-sharing website. So it does have a sense, it has a social network layer that's built onto it. And so, you know, if, if you were to send a potential client there, it's not a very professional thing to do because they're looking at other photographers' work as well, and you could very well lose the gig to somebody else. So it's not a good use for that, but it's better than nothing. You know, I'll give you that. Uh, there's 500px, which is the number 500, the letter P, the letter X.com. And 500px is it's Flickr-ish and has a little bit of a social network involved, but um, probably a little less. And you know, or here's another one: you could do an account with SmugMug. It's not the greatest design in the world, but it's functional. It's not bad. Um, and there's some great options in there for archiving your work, things like that. So just do one of those and then start to develop it um, as you go. Um, but I really think that that's, that's a little closed minded for the modern age to just think, okay, I'm just going to shoot wonderful photos and I don't need to worry about this other stuff you do. Uh, if you're not showing your work online and I know people who, who don't because it's usually a confidence issue. Like, Oh, I just started. I'm a beginner. Um, you know, what, what, what you don't understand is, 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 and I know it can be scary if you've never done it, but uh, all of a sudden you're thinking, oh, I'm putting myself out there and people are going to judge me and they're going to be critical. Um, that is really not a negative thing. Um, people are going to, you're going to meet people that have a mutual interest. And sometimes, like I remember the early days when I got on Flickr, all of a sudden you meet a bunch of people that are interested in the same subject matters you are uh, in what they shoot they're interested in the same kind of cameras at the time when i was starting that I, d I was i was doing film really heavily and i was trying to do a lot of experimental stuff and i was using toy cameras and cheap stuff and uh i was really trying to build the style around you know a lot of blemishes in bad lenses and you know that was really what i was going for and i met a whole bunch of people that were doing that same thing and all of a sudden you you share ideas um what i've never found is somebody that leaves a comment saying this photo is awful and I put some awful stuff up, but I've never had that. I've had people tell me my podcasts are awful, but I've never had anybody do that with my photography. And uh, I think that's really interesting. Um, I think photos are a little bit different um, because it's a community where people are sharing. And I think that's what, what, what separates that out. Um, you know, I think discussion groups, things like that. Sometimes you can open an invitation for weirdness there. Um, but just in general, just posting your work, I've, I've never found um, you know anybody who's gotten nasty with it. Uh, in fact, I found the opposite, that, that you end up getting more out of it than you know you thought was possible and so you know if you're a beginner and you're just starting out just do something like that in fact 
you know, look at what I do. I do all of these. I have a personal portfolio website. I've got a photo blog. Um, I've got a Flickr account that I actively use. I have a 500px account, and just because it's newer and I haven't put the time into it, I haven't nurtured that as much, um, but I have it. Um, but, you know, I, I think it's important to kind of have your feet in water everywhere, you know, and, and be able to participate in social networks. They fulfill... A certain thing and so you know uh, something like Flickr there's a community aspect and that's what you get out of it okay so that's what it's for that's what you're gonna get out of it does it very well if you look at something like uh, WordPress and doing a blog it has a purpose if you do a portfolio website it has a purpose all these have purposes they don't really cross over as much although you could argue that they do kind of cross a little bit they're unified by your work um, but it's important to have all of those because that's what you want. You want to be able to get things from those communities, from those various outlets. Uh, I also think, you know, the next step is if you are serious and you are confident in your work and you're trying to either one, sell your work or two, uh, you're trying to. Uh, get jobs as a freelance photographer, you're really going to need to get serious about social media and i know that's like this age-old thing and and a lot of people still don't quote unquote get it and that's the hard part and i i'm not going to go too much into that today because uh that's really its own podcast and its own thing and when i say get serious about social media it doesn't mean sign up for a twitter account and start posting links to your photos I mean, that is important, but but that's not going to get you any attention. There are a lot of people who do that. Nobody cares. And I don't mean to insult you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to come back to that. It doesn't mean sign up for a Facebook account and start throwing all your photos online. Uh, your mother will like them. Uh, your girlfriend will like them or your boyfriend. Uh, your parents will like them, you know, et cetera. But what you're going to have to do is learn how to use the social network and really get in there and get involved. What you've got to remember is much like Flickr. All this stuff is community-based, which means it's a conversation. So people will pay attention to your work. One, your work has to be good, but people will pay attention to that work if they feel like they know you and they converse with you. So this means getting involved. It means following other people on Twitter. It means following other people on Facebook. And it means now and then, and I'm not the greatest at this, but it means... I was I used to be better at it, but it, it means going in and, and and when somebody else posts a photo, making a comment on their work. Uh, Google Plus is another one that I don't think you can ignore now. Uh, but you have to get involved, and and if you want comments, you want views, you want people to be looking at your work. That's really the way to do it. And and I remember that used to kind of freak me out a little bit because when I first joined Flickr, and this was. Oh, gosh, almost well, six years ago now. Uh, but when I first joined Flickr, these were in the early days, maybe seven years, I can't remember. But it used to really kind of weird me out that sometimes I would find people in there that had just incredible work, but they didn't get any comments or any views. And getting my head around that that's just kind of the way the world works is like, okay, well, they're quality uh, photos. And this guy can obviously shoot, but nobody knows about him because he doesn't participate. And I realized that with my own stuff, that the more I participated and the more I favored at other people's pictures and the more that I, I made comments on people's work and, and don't do it disingenuinely. I mean, do it with photos you like. And, and, and that that's good too because it makes you go through and you're going to get inspired and if you're inspired by something tell that person um i i, I definitely wouldn't be disingenuous about it don't go in there and whatever the photo is say hey great image you know because people are going to see through that eventually um but but be serious about it go in there and get involved with this as a community so anyway that's worth its own show and people have written books on how to use social media um but uh 
right now we're talking about getting your work out there and diversifying yourself and your skills as a photographer and it all kind of comes back around and and will make sense to you in the long run so um you know that being said uh that that's 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 what i'm preaching today um so you know get out there and and try something get involved um I guess that's about all I got today. We've uh, it, it's hard to fill an hour with one person talking, and believe me, I can certainly challenge it. Um, hopefully, Wade will join us soon. Um, there's a lot of cool things in the works. Uh, Holga projects are about to get firing up again. I kind of had some downtime over the holidays where I needed some downtime, so uh, we've gotten some cameras back. Some new images are going to be posted, and uh, we'll be back into that full swing soon enough. Um, and uh, anyway, so hopefully Wade is doing well on his trip to Atlanta. And uh, actually, I'll let him tell you about it. He's got a pretty cool gig. It's for a client, and he's spending literally two weeks out there shooting all kinds of stuff. So. Um, I'll let him share that with you when, when he returns. But anyway, that's about it for today. And uh, once again, this has been The Photography Show. And thank you for listening. Thank you.